Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is a lecture series that takes place in a bar, usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. People give lectures on all kinds of subjects, with the one restriction being that they cannot be professionally expert on the topics on which they speak. It cannot be their job to know the thing. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. This, uh, you right now are not in a bar. You're uh, listening to your headphones or whatever. Maybe you're in a bar. But this is uh, the Trampoline Hall podcast. In each episode, uh, we reach back into the archives, uh, our recordings, and we choose one lecture uh, to bring to you through the magic of podcasting. Uh, the schedule for the podcast is this. What we do is we do a short season of uh, around six uh, individual episodes, each with one lecture. Then we take a lengthy break uh, because we get tired. If you're listening now, you are hearing the very start of the latest season. In this season, all the lectures are chosen by John McCurley. John McCurley went through the archives and chose six lectures uh, for your enjoyment. Uh, by the way, if you like this podcast and you're in Toronto, uh, you should come see the show. Uh, we have an email list. You can join up and you can find out when the show is. But for now, let's get on to uh, this podcast episode's lecture. Oh, I should tell you now, uh, you may be wondering if it contains mature language. Well, wonder no more. It does. The topic is wrestling and the lecturer is Josh Vettivelu. <laughs> someone to just all you have to do is be like absolutely hilarious um, <laughs> because I was definitely afraid that if um, I would find myself in a situation where um, I would try too hard and then I would like look down at my sheet and then I would see um, pause for laughter and no one would be laughing <laughs> I have pause for laughter right now there's <laughs> smoke jokes it's great um, Anyway, so my talk is about wrestling, specifically WWE's WrestleMania. Um, and in my really in-depth research, um, slash attempts to make this talk funny, um, I found myself trapped in a Google spiral um, looking up things like funniest moments in WrestleMania. And um, after wading through about, uh, I don't know, 20 videos of like men scantily clad, 
um, just like doing like the suck it gesture, and then like um, uh, spitting beer in the faces of female wrestlers. Um, I, I, I uh, fell into some unexpected territory. Uh, one of the things that I found out was that Hulk Hogan's son, whose name is Nick, uh, is circumcised. He's about six, six and a half inches, um, good girth, keeps the pubes really nice and trim, and he was uh, one of the first men affected by the iCloud um, nudes scandal hack thing. So I've seen his penis and now you have that knowledge as well. Um, and so following that rabbit hole, I also found out that Hulk Hogan recently had a sex tape released. Um, and honestly, as much as I didn't think I wanted to see any of the Hogan's genitals, um, <laughs> it, it left me with like a really weird boner, you know? And, <laughs> and I honestly didn't know what to do with this boner. And, um, and I guess like having a confusing boner is the best segue I could think of to go into the actual content of this talk. Um, so I guess the original starting point for this talk was a very specific childhood memory that I had. Um, but first, a bit of a backstory. I was a really weird kid. Um, and my weirdness was really emphasized by the fact that um, a, at the point of my life where this story takes place, um, we had just moved from a small two-bedroom apartment in Jane and Finch to a four-bedroom, three-story house in Thornhill. Um, now I'm gonna rely on everyone's assumptions about those two socioeconomic spaces to, uh, to like, you know, it was a big culture shock for me. Um, <clears throat> because like in Jane and Finch, I was one of many people of color. Um, my extended family lived there, you know, uh, in our apartment building, it was normal to smell like the smell of curry of various dif uh, different nationalities. Um, and there's really like nothing exceptional about our family um, to the area. Cutscene to Thornhill. Um, I am one of two non-white students and that was pretty terrible. Um, and to illustrate how terrible, um, <clears throat> how terrible being one of two of anything actually is, one time my teacher uh, was lecturing our class about how terrible Jane and Finch was. He was just like, oh man, it's like really bad there. Like it's really, really violent. Like definitely don't go ever. And like I like, you know, raised my hand. I was just like, oh, like some content I can pitch into. And, and I was just like, actually, like I lived there. It's not so bad. I think, you know, a lot of it is hype and, you know, and uh, to which the rest of the class turned to viciously laugh at me and call me poor because apparently poverty is hilarious to rich middle-class white kids. Um, but more upsetting than that was the fact that my teacher then came back with, um, yeah, probably where Josh lived wasn't too bad. But um, the reality is, is that Jane and Finch is really, really violent and you shouldn't go there. And like, understandably, having my own experience rescripted and fed back to me is a very frustrating thing. But it was also very confusing. Like, I was, and I still, to this day, question the intent of my teacher of like, why? Um, 
And so it was little things like that, um, from the transition to Jane and Finch to Thornhill, that started to create a distance within me. Um, and so things that previously were held really tightly together as like an individual subject were now starting to be like pulled apart. So there were really, so there were these things that made me like a visibly weird kid in Thornhill. Um, but then in general, I was just like a really sensitive, anxious, scared, introverted kid. You know, I had a peach fuzz mustache before like anyone else did. I couldn't run 10 feet without falling flat on my face. Um, I had the uncanny ability to attract balls to my face anytime anyone, anywhere kicked a ball. I mean, also different later, but... <laughs> um, and so, as is very common with unathletic, loner, faggy children like myself, um, things that offered uh, a kind of escapism were very, very seductive to me. Um, I read a lot of fantasy novels, um, you know, the kinds where the Don the Don, the Don, what is that word? Okay. Where the protagonist, the sad protagonist, <laughs> finds out through some twist of fate that they are actually exceptional in every other world but the ones in which they grew up in. Um, and I really, really did believe in the things that these escapist fantasies offered me. Um, and once we moved to Thornhill, we had a television, and television offered me something very similar. So television had this capacity to offer me um, something more real and tangible to these books. Um, because when something was filmed, it offered a sense of truth to it, you know? Like, these were real bodies in real space, and um, like, it was being transmitted through the TV, like, straight to my brain as, like, truths about the world. So, for this memory, I'm about eight or nine years old, skinny, unathletic, understanding that I'm probably a homo, but also probably a misandrist, and I really, really, really love TV. Um, <clears throat> Now we had uh, pretty strict parents growing up, so we weren't allowed to watch things like The Simpsons or really like anything that aired past like 9 p.m. Um, so wrestling was this thing that I heard about from all the macho boys on the playground and they would like imitate it and it would be like really terrifying to me. But then at the same time, I was like filled with like longing that I wasn't able to like participate in that space. Um, and so the curiosity was there and the prohibition by my parents um, made it all the more like taboo and seductive for me. So one night I decided to sneak down to our basement. To keep stealth, I kept all the lights off, which, meaning, which meant that every feeling was heightened. Um, also the basement was unfinished, so it was like really, really creepy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if any of you had the thing where like once you were done in the basement you had to like book it up the fucking stairs because like Satan was at the bottom and if you took your time, like it's done, right? So, <laughs> um, anyway, so the basement was filled with like haphazardly stocked cardboard boxes, uh, raw concrete floors, itchy exposed insulation, and so many dead and alive bugs. Um, so in the middle of this maze of boxes and bugs and concrete um, sat this really old tube TV. Um, and I remember reaching out and pressing the power button on this TV and flinching at the big like thunk noise that it made. Um, and, and it was a really old TV, so it took about five minutes for it to show anything other than like a black screen with the ch TV's channel number. But it did play the audio immediately. So there I was feeling itchy, scared, and nervous in a pitch black basement. 
And all of a sudden, the space was filled with this ghostly groaning of a giant, angry crowd. Um, and eventually, the screen flickered on, and there was this pan shot of all the WrestleMania fans. They were mostly white, they were mostly men, and they seemed really, really angry and like rough. Um, they were waving signs and fists and middle fingers, and they were like screaming at the top of their lungs. And it was like pretty fucking terrifying. I was like physically nauseous and trembling, and I was like, oh fuck, oh, okay, this is why I shouldn't, I'm not ready, you know, like. <laughs> like, these people probably wanna kill me. And this is something that I very distinctly remember thinking that should I be there in the space of the audience, these people would probably immediately identify that I didn't belong, they would hate me, and they would happily tear me from limb to limb. This is the fantasy books coming in, it's just. <laughs> So then the camera focused from the pan shot of the audience to the two wrestlers, and the wrestlers were like jumping up on the ropes and they were doing their flexing thing and like yelling at the crowd, and then they got like really close up to each other and they did the shit talking thing, and then I was just like, kiss, 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 kiss. <laughs> and honestly, I was still feeling like really weird and nauseous and scared, but I was starting to get like a handle on the emotions because, um, it all seemed like really, really gay, you know? And um, I re remember being confused that the wrestlers were like all oiled down and like hairless. Cause like, I was just like, this doesn't seem like, you know, like quote unquote manly body stuff, whatever. This seemed like Sports Illustrated models or whatever. Um, and so there's a bit of like a, a confusion. They were wearing skimpy underwear and their muscles seemed to like bulge out almost to the point of bursting. And, um, <clears throat> And it was a little bit arousing, but it was also a little bit distancing because um, it was this strange kind of like drag performance of white masculinity where the audience really, really needed these manicured bodies to push up against each other really hard and fast and repeatedly and a lot. And, and it made me think of this art piece by this artist named Barbara Cougar. Um, and it's a text-based piece where she says, you construct intricate rituals to touch the skin of other men. And it's almost as if these wrestlers were upheld as an unattainable plastic model of what every man in the audience wanted to be. These wrestlers were the living dolls for the audience, able to act out this kind of masculinist soap opera that allowed them to externalize intense feelings and emotions that were antithetical to proper male socialization. Um, and so what I guess I'm interested in is how did I know that the people in the audience wanted to kill me? And how did I know that every man in the audience was really, was probably really frustrated with having to be a man? Um, and so I started reading this book called Steel Chair to the Head, The Pleasure and Pain of Professional Wrestling. And um, for a hilarious title, it actually has some really great in-depth analysis about how the WWE was packaged as reactionary to anxieties about class mobility, national masculinity, and the growing threat of a PC culture. So firstly, we have this idea of citizenship and civility, where the men of the middle class became frustrated with the fact that the proper civilized subject, um, sorry, to be a proper civilized subject, you had to adhere to certain rules of propriety. Um, and so in the minds of, this me of these men, their participation in the middle class or civil society had a feminizing aspect to it. Um, social pro pro proper social conduct served to rein in the unbridled, raw masculinity and purity of the working class. And this was something imagined, obviously. 
Um, and so embedded in this was a certain dangerous kind of nostalgia for a time and place where white men didn't have to bite their tongue. So the WWE and other masculinist program of the era served as a way to act out at the frustration that these men felt. Being a white man was supposed to feel good. Being a man is supposed to be the best. But being a poor white man is actually too much work with not a lot of payout. And so the response to feeling like you're not being given what you're due is to look to those who are previously below you and blame them for taking a piece of your pie. Um, and so as the old saying goes, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. And it's a phenomenon that we see popping up in multiple spaces. Like when we see people who show up at Black Lives Matter protests and scream, all lives matter. What is that? Um, <laughs> Or Donald Trump's entire platform of blaming immigrants for the poverty of the white working class. Um, I think there's a psychology about this where these people are looking at their surroundings and they're feeling unsatisfied. You know, they're experiencing for the very first time the crumblings of the North American dream. And they're scared. They are afraid that maybe the power structures that they were so invested in maintaining were um, never actually meant to protect or benefit them. And it's this fear that prevents them from being able to empathize with the fact that black, indigenous, and Im immigrant communities have been standing on this perilous footing since the conception of North America. Um, so essentially, I think I was correct in the fact that these people really did hate my queer brown ass. Um, or rather, they saw my body as a subject position, as a threat to their privileges. And, um, and I think their hate or fear or whatever it was was definitely misplaced onto my body because of an inability to admit that it was exha exhausting and impossible to uphold the expectations of white masculinity as they wanted to. They could never be, they could never fully be the smooth manicured bodies slamming into each other endlessly. And um, so to conclude, I wanna bring us back to the Hulk Hogan sex tape. Um, <laughs> now full disclosure, you can't, well, I've had some friends who said they will find it for me, but I couldn't find the actual tape. Um, but there are a lot of screen caps that are subtitled that have gone viral. Um, and so I'm gonna force some meaning out of two of these screen caps, and I know that I'm doing that. <laughs> um, so in one clip, Hulk Hogan pulls off his shirt, and his companion is on the bed, and then he says, I started working out again. Um, <laughs> And then he runs his hands through his blonde hair and poses like he does in the ring. Um, in the second screen cap, Hulk has found his, t uh, his tank top, but not his pants, and sits almost deflated on the edge of the bed and says, man, I'm out of breath. And honestly, I know this seems like I'm trying to make fun of him, but I think it's a really beautiful juxtaposition of images. It's this private sexual moment that encompasses both the need for Hulk to perform the masculine doll he was groomed to be, um, and then also this moment where the posturing deflates, um, and he makes an admission as to how um, exhausting upholding that masculinity is. And I think allowing the bulging male flesh of the masculine ideal to be punctured, wounded, and deflated is actually a radical act of vulnerability that is integral to curtailing the violent expectations of being a man. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Benny Bellu.
You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, we'll see you today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are there any questions? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, 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 you, sir. So Europe's not short of so why doesn't Europe have wrestling despite having small-minded small-minded white people? Is the question. Um, well, I guess I don't think that wrestling is like uh, a byproduct of having small-minded white people. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily what I wanted to get across, um, but... <laughs> but I think, you know, it's symptomatic of reactionary behavior and reactionary program that comes out through um, understanding. So, like, in this book that I was reading, um, they were saying that this masculinist program in American TV, like The Beer Show and WWE and all these kinds of things, emerged because too much of television was catering to um, the female consumer in the household, yeah. right? And so because of that, that was too girly for everyone and they need to like reaffirm their masculinity in that space. Okay, so, so, it's, not, so it's not like it, so, so in terms of not happening in Europe, it's not, I don't know if that, that's interesting, it doesn't, I'm not sure if it addresses. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> okay, okay. He, doesn't, he doesn't know, does that answer your question? <laughs> Yes, oh, there's a question up there, yeah. Uh, since you felt ostracized from WWE, and that's supposed to be like the ideal man, since you felt like you didn't belong there, did you have an idea of what the ideal man was supposed to be? Did you have like a distinct idea of the ideal man that you, that you felt less ostracized from? Is that sort of what? Yeah. Okay. Um, here's the thing I don't know that I want to get into, but I don't necessarily <laughs> think that of myself as a man, right? So like when we see an ideal man, great. I don't really want to fuck with that. Um, if that is that fine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're not so you're not concerning yourself. Like it's like that's not something that you have. Yeah, you're not like, like trying to. Yeah. Okay. You're not trying to be or find. Yeah. An idea or define. I well, know. I think like the idea of positing anything as an ideal and especially as an ideal man is like really tied in with certain power structures of oppression, right? So I feel like you know. Like, what does it mean to, like, covet that or, like, want to be that? Right. It's just, yeah. Right. So, okay. So, so, so no is the answer to your question. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yes. All the way back there. Yes. Um, did watching wrestling change how you interacted with the other kids at school or how you engaged with them did, in the playground? 
Did watching wrestling affect how you engage with the other kids at school in the playground? I'll put in that detail for something. Yeah, it was like literally this like one time. And I was just like, no, 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 no. It's, it's okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like you then became this wrestling fan no. and you were like talking wrestling with all the other kids. No, just... I like loathed them more maybe because I was just like, okay, I saw you're all a little bit dumber in my eyes. I'm going to back away slowly. <laughs> So it just kind of like confirmed the existing relationship kind yeah, of for yeah, you? Like definitely. you're like, that's this yeah. is pretty much what I thought you guys were doing. Yeah. This is what I thought was inside your heads. Exactly. Right, yeah. okay, good. All right, yes, over there, yes. So do you, do you feel that wrestling is actually building to a point where it's going to explode the facade of, the of masculinity that's been uh, propagated in the last, like, the question is, is wrestling building to the point where it's going to explode the the the, uh, the, mascul the, the what of masculinity? The facade of masculinity that's been building for the last 60 years. The, the myth, the like, right. No. So the question length to answer ratio is always an interesting stat for those who are keeping score. Well, I don't know if I should be giving shorter answers. No, no that's a good, okay. no, it's okay. No, I mean, was there anything in there that's like, no, you can do it. No, that's a good, that's a fair answer. <laughs> Um, no, really I, up to you. it's just like, you know, Hulk Hogan, um, as he exists in the ring, is an image, right? He's not a real man. So getting to see, which like through this very invasive process of having a sex tape leak, punctures the myth of that image, right? And so we get to see that even Hulk Hogan, the image of this whatever wrestling, someone who participates in this sphere, um, can't keep it up all the time. But didn't mean it like that. I don't, I don't, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> is, it a, is it like a recent tape, this tape? Like when Apparently, I think it like came out in like 2013, so it's like pretty old, but it, he's in the process of suing now, like for- He got for, a huge settlement? He got a huge settlement? Yeah, see? $150 million? Yes. People for emotional are, damages, which I kind of love. For right? what? Emotional damages. Emotional damages? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean he has a She's seen it. You've seen it? Come come up. What? <laughs> we don't even want you to talk, he just wants you to come stand. stand, yeah. stand. <laughs> what can you tell us about it? What what I, I, I saw it because my brother told me about it. Okay, so first of all she's explaining why she saw it. <laughs> she didn't go looking for it, her brother told her about it. So now we now we excuse you for having watched it because it's obviously her brother's fault and now tell us what was it like. <laughs> Yeah, sex with his best friend's wife. And, um, no, it was like a cuckolding thing. Like it was all consensual. Like all consensual? he was in the office beside, uh, like the husband was in the office beside. The husband was in the office. Yeah, they like said, okay, so it was like, uh, all right. And um, I think that you, you still have a lot of expertise. <laughs> yeah, so he he goes and sleeps with his friend's wife. Sleeps with his wife. And uh, and then the the tape is this is showing uh, Hulk Hogan kind of not being a kind of being a sort of so it's so so it's so, Hulk Hogan being kind of being okay. cuckolded. Yeah, he says but he's but he's but it's his friends. He's sleeping with his friend's wife, but he's being. I guess the whole cuckold sex video scene is more complicated than I thought it was. Yeah, there's a lot. Then he wants to eat sushi. Aww. That's nice. <laughs> Is that the one detail that you didn't have? Yes, it, right? it really wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that fucking stuff I, I know. It's actually something else. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's sushi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
yeah. I mean, like, good to replenish your carbs, probably healthy, I don't know. Yeah, but wait, okay, we'll get to your question, but I forgot what the question even was. There was a question that led up to that, wasn't there, or no? Do you know? I don't, I don't know. We what's don't know. All right, what's your question? Yes. Oh, I wonder, what if you had any, you don't have to have any, if you had any thoughts slash feelings on, on uh, people of color in the audiences of these, you know, of WWE or at Trump rallies, not plants, what are your thoughts on that psychology in relation to masculinity? What are your thoughts on, on people of color who go to WWE, yeah. who, go, who, go to, who go to wrestling? Who events? aren't you and aren't, who aren't, you. Who aren't being torn apart and who are there? And are not being torn apart if there are such people. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a weird thing to talk about to a room full of mostly white people, I'm just going to say that. But I think there's like a lot of like internalized and survival instincts that like go into there, right? Like when we were growing up, when I was talking about citizenship and like these white men using wrestling and these masculinist programming to act out, there's only a specific kind of body that's allowed to act out, right? So in, um, so like my father was never allowed to act out. If anything, it became very important for us as immigrants to perform um, civilianship as properly as we can. And I think there's this weird psychological thing that happens where you get enfolded into these rhetorics of like us versus them and you try to assimilate yourself to kind of protect yourself, which is like a really, it's messed up in a lot of ways, but it's also something that I have like empathy for because I can understand it. Yeah. Thank you. All right, anything else, other questions? Anything else you want to Yes, over there, yes. Your teacher who made the really uh, othering Yeah, teacher who said that crazy thing about Jamie Fitz with a good no. teacher in general? No, they were. No. All right. No. What made you, why, why, why did you ask that question? I'm curious. I'm curious if, if you had like a whole year of ignorance. Was it a whole year oh. of ignorance or just like a flickering of ignorance? A flickering of ignorance. Well, like he was a very charming teacher in that he had all the students in his pocket. So it was one of those things where it was very isolating when you have a room full of people who are laughing at you for like just the reality of your life. And then, you know, like the one person who should be like reining it in is just all like, Okay, yeah, that is hilarious, but you're also wrong, <laughs> you know, and so, yeah. All right, so no, so no, not a good teacher, not a good teacher in general, but, but, but all, but there you go. Uh, yes, just a hand over there, yeah. yeah. Hey. I, I didn't see, like, the thoughts on um, formative masculinity stuff in terms of, like, other things that have emerged, like, what you're like, you're like, you're, you're like, I'd like to hear about masculinity in a, in a different, in a different field. Like, <laughs> ultimate fighting. Like, that was as far as the, you're like, you're like, because that, so, yeah, like, if that's all, can you think of any similarities between, I can't even think of similarities between ultimate fighting and wrestling. Can you, um, I actually don't even know the difference. I'll like, is, is that, what made, what made you, no, well, okay, do you have a response? Because I'm curious about the question, but do you have a, like, a, or do you have an awareness of, like, ultimate? Like, does that feel different to you in a, I, no. I mean, like, I think, like, one of the things that I can say is that through sports, um, one of the things I read in the book is that the body is always asserted as a site of experience through pain. So when we, like, witness other men fighting each other, we're kind of um, reasserting that the experience that we're kind of projecting onto those bodies is real. And I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not sure. Like, what do you mean? Don't, 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 don't. Like, I don't really want to get into it because I like skimmed well, over it in the we're book. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just said no. But <laughs> what is it? That, 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 that experiencing their pain, that, that, that seeing the pain played out? Well, it's just kind of this idea that like um, pain makes the body real. Like, right. And so when we see two people that we that don't exist as like real bodies but they exist as like imaginings of what like ideal bodies should right. be clashing together it makes 
the imaginings of those two bodies real because right. they're bleeding in front of us. Right, right. And, and so, I mean, ultimate fighting, I guess, I, do you know, I, it's, it's more real than wrestling. Is that right? Yeah. Is that, no. Someone says no. Someone says yes. Opinions are divided. There's a lot more blood. There's more blood? So who, people are like, eh, it's the same. All right, okay. <laughs> I don't know. But there's actual, there's more actual blood. But does that, yeah. does that like, is that like a different? What made, why do you, now I'm curious, what made you ask about that as opposed to wrestling? What made you think like, oh, that's a different thing? Right, so it like came out of a different time, like it's more recent, it's supposed to be more intense and more real, and whether that like does something different or anything. Um, I guess, but like I think I was mostly using wrestling as like a case study for this kind of thing that happens constantly, right? And so. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. Any any other anything else people want to know? I'm curious about I'm curious about when you started off when you started off and you talked about like the uh, I don't remember what the adjective before boner was. But like confusing. There was, confusing. Confusing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, so I'm, so like I, I guess I'm interested. I'm interested to hear more about that. About that. About like what's. Um. The the, the first confusing boner as yeah. opposed to the second one. Uh, um, yeah. I guess it was just like I was just all like, oh here's Nick Hogan's penis. Oh here's Hulk Hogan's sex tape. Oh. A boner. <laughs> I just didn't, like, I what don't the, find like, any of them attractive at right. all. Right. So, okay, so go on. So maybe it was just, like, a weird, like, voyeuristic thing, which, like, now all of you know about me, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so what was confusing was you're like, oh, those guys, those, those, those guys are not attractive guys to me. Yeah, and I think it was just, like, this thing where I was, like, trying to do some, like, weird analytic research, and then I was, like, suddenly caught up in, like, weird realms of desire or, like, attraction, which I didn't anticipate at all. It's such a funny thing because I think so many of us said, like, oh, I'm going to go do some research on the internet and then, yeah. then like, yeah, you and, like five minutes later you're looking at porn <laughs> yeah, and Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but, like, in your case, it was fair. Yeah. Like, it was fair. You were, yeah. you were procrastinating. You were doing the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it, like... I don't know why I want to know more about this. Yeah. Or are you, like... Great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got, I mean, you, yeah, you know, that's what happens when you, when you lead with the confusing boner. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Do you, do you, like, is it, like, are you, like, sad? Are you sad to be aroused by this? Or are you just, like, like, sorry? Yes, always sad. Uh, every, every erection. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. I guess I was mostly just trying to be, like, drawing a parallel between like being aroused as a child looking at the wrestling thing and then also like fearing for my life not that i was fearing for my life looking at like nick hogan's penis but like i don't know but then now you're like oh like this stuff which is all doesn't feel like it's for me and doesn't feel doesn't, and isn't even what i think i find interesting yeah but do you think that there's like a uh uh to anything to be learned from that for yourself? Like, or do you think it was just like, oh, I just random? Or do you think it's like, oh, like my body, there's something um, that like I'm drawn to. Yeah. Like, there's something that's actually. I like, think like, I'll never talk about my erections in public ever again. <laughs> so, like, if that's fair. <laughs> not the lesson I was hoping for. That's <laughs> what I got. <laughs> all right, well, let's all end on, on that useful moral. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Betty Valu.
Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Angela Shackle and Braden Labonte. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, it really helps us out if you leave a review on iTunes. Uh, Please go ahead and do that. It helps a lot. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.